The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Hewson, publisher of Print21 and of PK and Packaging News. And welcome all to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. Wayne, as ever, we have a lot to discuss this month. And let's start with inkjet printing, long touted as a major print production technology. And this month, we have seen some major moves in that direction. Tell us more. That's right, Lindy. Uh, inkjet printing, of course, it's uh, big in wide format. Labels, it's coming more and more. Uh, and now it's coming into more and more print applications. Aurora Beverage is installing the world's first or the region's first Velox digital high-speed full-color can printing system. That will enable customization of can design and decoration and fast speed to market for new products and promotions. It will be installed in Aurora's new facility in Dandenong. Um, Aurora currently decorates its cans with traditional high-speed offset and the two processes, digital cans and offset, were run side by side. Velux, the company that is supplying this technology, it's a new name to us, it's a new name to the market. It's come from one of the it's part of the Israeli technology uh, boom I think you could say with a whole host of companies obviously started with Indigo and has gone on from there and in fact Benny Lander is funding many of the many of the startups uh, Velux was formed by two brothers 10 years ago it's now part owned by Suzanne Clatton Germany's richest woman who also is a part owner of Lander um, Aurora will purchase the first one it will go in next year it'll be up and running by the end of by the by the middle of by Q3 next year it uses two core proprietary technologies in its uh, direct shape solution they say it can print onto any material um, and cans obviously been part of that and any shape and obviously uh, Aurora which is a blue chip company in anybody's in anybody's language uh, has decided to invest uh, and install the new system um, and uh, it will take it into new markets uh, and enable Aurora to meet many of the, those new market demands. Yes, this is a very interesting story from my perspective too, Wayne, because what we're seeing on the packaging side is an absolute boom or surge in can demand for cans. One of the market drivers for that is, in turn, a surge in the uh, demand for ready-to-drink products. Now, um, Aurora has recognized this and uh has decided to launch this Helio by Aurora, which is what they're calling it. Uh, Helio derived from the Greek god's name Helios, I believe, which means the sun god and um, referring to the full spectrum of all the colors that can be found in the rainbow um, and thus creating a canvas from the can, that kind of idea. What um, Aurora said to me was that the reason they're launching now, even though the, the digital technology is not installed, is because they need to catch brand owners now while they're planning their summer campaigns for next year. Now, we've already seen some very creative campaigns coming forth in the market on cans. And um, as we know from previous discussions around HP Indigo technology, what's possible then to have a multiple of one <laughs> design per can is something that's really exciting to a lot of brand owners for now. So Aurora 2 is investing in 
can making capacity. This announcement about Helio by Aurora coincides with their new $80 million can line coming on stream. That's a multi-can line, multi-size can line. And that's just come on stream at its Dandenong facility that in June. In March, it already completed the installation and commissioning of a $30 million can ends line that adds capacity there at the Ballarat facility. And on track for quarter one in 2025 is an $85 million line at Reevesby, all can making. Um, so investment in cans is ongoing, but good to see that coinciding with that is investment in printing and decoration technology to keep pace with um, that requirement for uh, adaptability when it comes to marketing. And is uh, Aurora the primary producer of cans in this country? Because there are other producers like James Strong, aren't there? there, are, there are other well, James Strong it. doesn't compete in this beverage space. James Strong uh, manufactures in, it does aerosol cans on the aluminium side of things. It also does metal cans for baby formula, infant formula. Vizzy is another major can producer, Wayne. But Aurora is a leader in the market alongside Vizzy and certainly is leading the way here by introducing this new digital printing technology. It's interesting. This They say this uh, new digital line will increase their capacity by about 10%. It will allow for manufacturing varying sizes and formats. Uh, and so obviously they're targeting that market, which will be shorter run, but higher value, which we know is where digital printing scores. So yeah, it was really great to see that going. And uh, Interesting to see that Aurora, as a sort of blue chip company, is banking on the investment with the world first technology coming out of Israel. Yeah, and also important to remember that Aurora already has invested quite a lot in its uh, decoration R&D at its facility at Dandenong. So this is really just going to complement that. And as you pointed out earlier, is going to work alongside its existing offset printing technology. And we we see that the markets are growing significantly. Anyone knows uh, beer, any beer drinkers amongst our listeners, and I'm sure there's a few, will know the choice of craft beers these days is exploding well. Yeah, there's even a brewery at the end of my street, Modus Operandi, which has developed its own can technology. It's not manufacturing the cans, of course, uh, but it has developed a special technology so that it's when it's poured out of the cans, it's as if it's coming in draft format. So, uh, And obviously those cans are being printed as well, so great to see. Really great to see. Inkjet is coming to commercial print as well, of course. And uh, Gareth Ward has written a great piece in the latest issue of Print 21 uh, from uh, Lucerne in Switzerland, the big Hunkler Innovation Days there on, on uh, the developments, the pace of change and the uh, innovation in inkjet web printing technology. Um, Pegasus Media and Logistics has just installed a new Canon inkjet sheet-fed IX3200 Vario print uh, digital press. Pegasus is one of the biggest independent print businesses in the country with an $85 million turnover, if I'm not mistaken, Wayne. It was created a That's year right. ago when AAB combined its main businesses, Pegasus Print Group and SOS Print and Media, along with F&M Supplies and AB Warehousing and Logistics. That's quite a, a good little bundle there together. Kevin Slavin is the CEO. So why has Pegasus installed the Canon inkjet printer? 
Well, in many ways, for the same reason that Aurora is going down digital route for Cannes, to address the short-run on-demand market. Uh, particularly in its case, it's looking at the educational market, and particularly for books and textbooks. You can imagine that that's a huge market with the amount of students that there are. But uh, it's so fragmented that many of those textbooks are specialised. They want 100 run, 200 run, 300 run uh, in whatever subject it happens to be. And, and they want them on demand, they want them quickly. And so this uh, Canon inkjet printer, so of course there's plenty of toner printers, electrophotographic toner printers. This is an inkjet printer. It prints at 9,000 impressions an hour, uh, SRA3 sheet, prints on a wide range of, of stocks, both coated and uncoated. Um, and for Pegasus, which of course incorporates what was, as you mentioned earlier, Lindy, SOS Printer Media, which had a significant digital printing business, uh, this new inkjet printer from Canon, of course, Canon, one of the world's biggest uh, imaging companies, uh, this new printer from, from Canon will really serve a need uh, that uh, as they, Pegasus will enable to push. That's a growing need in its target market, in the education market, but one that thanks to digital printing, they'll be able to push along as well and produce full color specialist books down to runs of one in theory. I mean, I don't think many people would actually do that, but certainly in short runs on demand, a school in Wagga Wagga or Townsville wants 30 books, they'll be able to do it there and then and print them and send them off uh, very quickly. Well, it's certainly clear to see which way the wind is blowing with these two huge businesses, Aurora and Pegasus, investing in inkjet. Another area of print that is increasingly coming under inkjet printing is, of course, folding carton, a sector that is predicted to grow strongly according to global research agency Smithers, clearly driven by environmental concerns, as carton can, of course, be recycled readily and repeatedly when. Yes, yeah, Smithers uh, has done a lot of research on this issue. It says that folding carton will grow at 6.4% annually for the next five years. That means that the size of the market, which is obviously already sizable, is going to be grow by about between 40 and 50% in the next five years. That is a huge growth. If you are printing folding carton right now and you're looking at just in uh, organic growth without any actual extra having to go out and win extra accounts, uh, that's a, a big growth area, and that's why companies like Heidelberg and KBA are putting such immense resource and effort into developing carton printing technology. Smithers says that um, the market will reach 77.3 million tons. Well, that's a bit of, we don't, don't really got any context for that. The value of carton board will go up to $80 billion a year from $60 billion, that's US. So that's $20 billion of extra revenue that's going to be generated by carton board itself, but then the value of carton packaging, folding carton packaging, is going to increase from $200 billion a year, which is what it will be at the end of this year, to $275 billion in 2028. That's US figures, of course. So $75 billion US dollars extra revenue in, will go, be going into producing folding carton. And so if you are a printer looking at get, either in folding carton packaging or looking to get into it, they're really great figures for you because you are thinking, well, my business is is in that area and it is going to just do nothing but grow over the next few years. And as you said, Lindy, sustainability is a key driving factor. There's a huge ton of work going on, as you'll know, more than me in, in terms of barriers and recycled barrier properties, barrier t materials and recyclability. We're going to see a big switch of all kinds of products, it seems, uh, into fiber-based packaging, which is predominantly carton, of course. So, 
uh, they're, they're great figures for the printing industry, particularly those people that are in Cannes or are looking to get into Cannes. And, and the, the fastest growing areas or sectors, according to Smithers, in the next five years will be dry foods, confectionery, healthcare, personal care, and chilled food. Um, so they are, if they, they're going to be where the real growth drivers are. Uh, but across the board, according to Smithers, Carton is going to be seeing significant growth. Yeah, I was just um, down at the Food Pro trade show, uh, Wayne, where we had a number of packaging players on the floor. One of them you would be familiar with, Wayne, is South Australian business Debt Pack, and they are, as you know, heavily into fiber-based packaging. And I was they had on show there a number of the punnets, the fiber-based punnets that they're making now for Woolworths in the fresh produce sector. Fresh produce is a huge growth area, and also on display were Paper bags printed, beautiful graphics, printed for premium potatoes and um, for grapes. Now, of course, none of these are only paper, and we have to be very clear about that because every paper-based bag still needs to have a barrier, and usually that comes in the form of a sealant or a varnish. Um, however slight, it still has some polymer involved. Um, but that said, yes, there's a huge amount of innovation happening in the paper-based area, whether it's cartons or even flexible papers, flexible bags. Yeah, and it's and it's really good to see that the transition is being made. And we're used to buying our products from our grocers, supermarkets, our fresh fruit and vegetables and putting them into plastic bags. But now they are on the way out, clearly, being replaced by paper bags. And of course, paper gives far more opportunity for graphics and print than the clear thin plastic bags that we're used to putting that come in those big rolls that we're used to using and so this is a great opportunity for print businesses of all kinds yeah it does present some challenges when it comes to um, running them through the lines obviously high speed form fill seal lines um, those do create challenges but moving back to uh, the news of the month <laughs> um, as we digress so beautifully there a lot of the sustainability drivers are not just, it's not just across paper, of course. Um, it is in other materials too, where re recyclability becomes a factor. We already spoke earlier about cans, aluminium being infinitely recyclable. Uh, we've spoken now about paper. And then there are other materials that are still of high value, are still very important in packaging, including plastic, of course, and glass. Now, one of the more innovative solutions um, that is being brought into Australia is by Walter Kuhn's business, Kuhn Corp, which is a commercial print operation and a specialist egg carton supplier. Kuhn, as most people will know, was the president of the PBCA uh, for four years. He is now running his commercial print business and building a re recycled egg carton plant in Malaysia, but it's recycled cartons with a difference. Right, Wayne? That's right. These egg cartons are the plastic, the clear plastic ones that uh, listeners may well be familiar with. And they're made, Kuhn Corp is in a partnership, a joint venture partnership with Vienna-based Ovotherm. And these um, plastic egg cartons are all manufactured from recycled water bottles. So the, the entire carton is made of recycled product from, from the carton, from the water bottles. Um, they, they're already producing, they've got plants already over them, that is in Turkey, in Hungary, in Mexico. Uh, they're producing about 380 million plastic egg cartons each year. This new one in Malaysia 
uh, will serve the Australian New Zealand market as well as the wider Asia Pacific region. Walter Kuhn says there'll be about between 6 million and 8 million of these cartons will come to Australia each year. And we'll be in Coles, in Woolworths, in IGA uh, and, and other plants. And he also says it's a complete circularity of process. Uh, they take the post-consumer plastic bottles, they make them into clear egg cartons. Once the egg carton is disposed of by a consumer, picked up by curbside collection, it's rec recycled by Visi in its PET recycling plant. So the whole thing is a recycled uh, a, a, a recycled deal, which is what we want, circularity. Uh, and it's a fantastic um, business, obviously, by Coon Corp, general commercial printer, but also has got this amazing recycled egg carton business going on. Well, yeah, so it's, as you said, it's it's PET, so familiar material, a, a highly recyclable material when it comes to uh, circularity um, objectives, which we, as you said, we're trying to push in the country. Um, it is an interesting conundrum because I wonder what consumers, how their response will be. It's, it's going to take a bit of change of buying behavior in some senses because typically, like with other products where you're used to buying your, your eggs in a carton, and by that I mean a paperboard, a pulp carton, um, it might be a stretch to go back into plastic or to be reaching for plastic. But I do think the advantage of these, apart from their recyclability, so let's just tick that box already, but the advantage of these is that you can actually see the egg. So quite often now, when I reach that for my carton of eggs, my pulp carton, I, op I always open it to see if one's been cracked. Or I look underneath to see if there's any leakage because um, you don't want to get home and find two of your dozen eggs are cracked. Now you, could, you would be able to see that very clearly uh, through those because they are completely transparent, those cartons. Yeah, Walter Kuhn says that is one of the benefits of the plastic cartons. Uh, and I'm with you, Lindy. I agree. If you, I'm with you. If I'm a consumer going to the shopping and I have a choice between the traditional pulp carton and what looks like a plastic carton, you're kind of inclined naturally to the pulp one because you know that's going to be recycled. Whereas the plastic one, you're kind of thinking, okay, this is plastic. Do I want this? Uh, Walter Kuhn says that they they actually have a smaller carbon footprint than the, than the carton ones because they take less energy to produce. Um, and they're, they're lightweight, less to transport, that kind of thing. Would the consumer know that? Well, will supermarkets be putting up signage to point out the environmental benefits of these of these plastic cartons? Maybe they'll have to do that. It's fascinating. They see. I'm just looking at a picture of them here on the screen, actually, Wayne. And they have a label on them. So I'm curious to know um, whether that label is also of the same material or if that's going to cause some issue in the recycling or if it's an easy wash-off label, which we know they ha have been developed. So all of those things I'm sure Walter Kuhn has thought about because he has, this is not his first rodeo. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Well, we'll wait and see on that, but it's it's great to see. And obviously the complete circularity that he talks about is really good. With the with the um, signage that we're talking, we were talking about earlier, that kind of, uh, that's a possibility as well. If supermarkets have signs up saying, I don't know if they'll go down that route or not, if they think it's necessary, we'll wait and see. Well, I think it's as simple as printing a QR code on that says, find out more about how to recycle me. And that goes straight onto the label or onto the pack. Um, anything's possible these days on a very small space. So um, 
That idea, though, of, of signage um, is helpful, which brings us nicely to wide format print, Wayne, um, and the latest figures from the Outdoor Media Association, which are not great reading for print, are they? No, actually, this quarter, um, the quarter just gone, is the first one, that's the April to June quarter, first one for a good while where the revenue for print, uh, apart from COVID, of course, when it was completely smashed, but we have to discount that due to the extraordinary circumstances, the actual revenue for print uh, has fallen uh, pretty much up until now, all the way from for the past five years. Print's market share has been decreasing in the face of the digital signage, um, and, in, and it's also decreased this time around. But the actual volume of cash spent on print has increased as the market itself has continued to grow and grow. So total revenue for print outdoor in the quarter, April to June, uh, was down to 90 million from 105 million. That's compared with the prior corresponding period last year, Q2 in 2022. So $15 million out of 105 million, that's a fair hit. Um, we don't know whether this was a, a blip for certain reasons or whether it signifies a trend or not. Um, if it is a trend, then uh, it's not a good trend. Uh, digital continues to uh, increase. QMS, uh, which anyone who lives in Sydney will be familiar with, a big QMS uh, digital digital street furniture that's popping up in streets everywhere in a CBD, causing quite an uproar. They're just putting in several hundred more um, of those digital streets. So QMS and the big asset managers, they love digital because it can offer them multiple sales opportunities. They all say that print or classic or static, as it's uh, known, uh, has got a place, uh, but the latest figures show that that place um, may have reached a plateau. It may not. Talk to the big outdoor media print providers, the big companies, and they'll all tell you uh, that they're actually doing really well. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, we could do with those figures uh, bottoming out and going back the other way next time around. Yeah, well, let's see. Figures don't lie, as they say, but um, we're certainly seeing the outdoor media in all its glory this month, aren't we? We've got the Women's World Cup currently being played in front of record-breaking crowds around Australia and New Zealand. What a hype. It's fantastic. More than one and a half million tickets have been sold so far, including some to you, Wayne, of course. With those people going to the stadium, seeing a whole host of display graphics helping to enhance the immersive experience. We were, I've seen, saw the sign up the side of a huge building in Darling Harbour. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's the biggest sporting event since the Olympics and the print industry has really stepped up. FIFA, which is uh, a really switched on organization when it comes to money, is spending, a, is spending big on display graphics. And so it, that's a great... Um, validation of the of the display graphics world it's really you go to the stadiums you go around the cities and you see the flags the giant balls the graphics on the stadium uh, the enormous matilda's shirts that they're printed by visual solutions actually in melbourne um, on its new efi vutech fabrivu 340 plus i uh, soft signage printer um, all kinds of printers in all kinds of uh, applications are supporting the World Cup in all kinds of ways. And it's really uh, bringing it to life and, and uh, giving what print, what outdoor print, what display print, what only that can do, which is to create that experience. I was at uh, Darling Harbour myself recently, Lindy, and there was a, a big uh, display graphic sign, Sydney, it said, it's the backdrop of the harbour with uh, display graphics on the ground there. And people were queuing up to have their photo taken with it. And, uh, of course, you wouldn't get that with anything else. So, yeah, it's been great to see. 
uh, all kinds of, there's, of course, there's uh, programs, guides, handouts, everything, everything apart from tickets. And as you rightly say, I was one of the people that's buying tickets. What a torturous experience to try and buy a digital ticket through FIFA. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, that's a little bit like the torturous experience it was to try to get Taylor Swift tickets. But anyway, another thing that has been <laughs> on sale um, and um, creating quite a pop of colour all around Sydney when it comes to display graphics this month. Of course, Sydney turned pink. I don't know where else in the country uh, turned pink, but it's the, the Barbie movie. That's pre premiered and it has... Um, produce a whole bunch of collateral all around it um, when it comes to display and graphics. That's right. There's been no getting away from it. And uh, it wasn't just Sydney, Lindy, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, uh, many other towns around the country as well have been seeing an explosion of pink. And this isn't just in the foyers of the cinemas. We've seen bus stations, bus shelters, the floors, the ceilings, uh, transit hubs, all turned the Barbie pink. You haven't been get away, able to get away with it. I even saw a, or from it. a pink um, Barbie burger box. So someone made a pink Barbie burger. The bun was <laughs> the sauce was pink, but the box itself was, of course, also printed pink. <laughs> One version of pink. I, d I doubt if it's the Barbie pink. That'll be their own proprietary colour. Uh, but uh, it's again, as we were just talking about the Women's World Cup. Print really brings alive a concept, uh, whatever it is, print is guaranteed to attract and grab attention and uh, highlight that event. So those two things, the Women's World Cup, Barbie, take your choice, uh, they've all been, they've both been uh, really well supported by print and shown it off, as you said earlier, in all its glory. Well, on that happy note, um, we'll wrap up this episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. There can be no doubt, of course, that we've had a lot to talk about as usual. There have been lots of um, developments, investments, um, all rolling out and coming across the airwaves from Print21, from the big print podcast that we produce. Thank you very much. And that's it from me, Lindy Hewson. Well, thanks, Lindy. And it's goodbye also of this episode from me, Wayne Robinson. Uh, we trust you enjoy the superb print as you watch the World Cup or go to Barbie. And we look forward to you joining us next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.